Welcome to Podability, a podcast for parents and families of disabled children, brought to you by Variety the Children's Charity, and I'm your host, Dan White. What school would you send your child to is one of the most important decisions any parent needs to make. But if your child has special educational needs and disability, or SEND, as it's more commonly known, this decision is even more daunting. Mainstream schools and SEND schools both have their pros and cons. In this episode of our podcast, we're going to look at education for disabled children and ask how do you decide what's best for your child and hopefully come up with some helpful answers for you. Joining me here to discuss the question is Yvonne Newbold, author of the book The Special Parents Handbook, who alongside being an author is a National Learning Disability and Autism Lifetime Achievement Award winner and one of the top 50 inspirational women in healthcare 2014. She is also a parent to three amazing SEN children and writes predominantly in her book about her experiences of life with her brilliant son Toby, who was also a swan child, which stands for Syndromes Without a Name. Do you know, I never knew that. (laughs) Also with us is Martina Piantina, who is mum of Carl, a variety beneficiary. Thank you both very much for coming along today on this rather rainy day, but this rather hopefully very chatty day. It's a real pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. (laughs) No, it's absolutely brilliant. I'm so excited. Yvonne, can I just say, I love the phrase from your book. I had to pick this out because it's so succinct. School is regarded as compulsory, but it is not. It is education that is compulsory. I just thought that was just absolutely such a beautiful statement and such a statement so many parents need to hear right across the country. Absolutely. When things go wrong in schools for children, mental health of those children can deteriorate so quickly. And parents are under so much pressure to keep sending their children in, even when those children are so anxious and so unhappy and they're being damaged by the experience if they're in the wrong school with the wrong people and the wrong support around them. My feeling is mental health has to always be the priority. You can always revisit education, even in your 40s or 50s. But if you have a child, like I nearly did, who tried to commit suicide in their early teens, um, there's no going back then. That's absolutely. I mean, mental health at the minute is such on a pinnacle, such at the forefront of everything. So I I think predominantly that's something that does need to be discussed. But it, it does bring us around to the question, which is education for disabled children. How do you decide what's best for your child? Every parent wants two basic things from the education system for their children, to be well and to be happy. But also we as parents need to be happy with our decision on their educational surroundings. Indeed, sadly, most parents, as you, you said, Yvonne, don't really know what their options are. The Predominantly, the starting point would be for any parents to procure uh, an EHCP, the wondrously named Education, Health and Care Plan. I mean, Yvonne, can you elaborate on an EHCP, the processes involved? I mean, is it necessary for both types of educational systems? I would say yes, but that's a very, very big question. Okay. Because um, 
educational health and social care plans were introduced about five years ago. They had such promise and they were going to really help to put families back at the centre of education, except that it hasn't been funded properly, the local authorities haven't been, their staff haven't been trained properly, and the system simply is worse than it was in the old days of statements, not better. Lots of pet children need an EHCP plan, but uh, needing one and getting one are two very, very different things. Yeah, I've been I've been finding that a lot in the process. Us, our, ourselves with Emily, we had to really fight for an EHCP yeah. plan, even though she is a wheelchair user and obviously disabled. Uh, the process of getting one is predominantly really, really hard. Uh, I mean, Martina, has Carl got an EHCP plan in place for yes. the school he's currently attending? He does. And actually, he's, he's had it since nursery. Like, So I guess I was just about to say, to point out, that maybe because he's so obviously disabled, he's you know he's severely affected from all sides, physical, cognitive. Um, so that maybe is why, like, there's no you know there's no excuse not to notice that. Um, so I was about to say, so but maybe that's not the case for everyone either. I feel that we've been very lucky with him with the from the educational side, because he's been. Um, put in a mainstream nursery as you know we've been abroad with my husband and uh he's already he was already doing therapy in a mainstream nursery and was what i saw there um is that it's been really beneficial like super good for him to have this interaction with typical children and it goes both ways as well the typical children are so naturally caring you know they were all around him all over they were willing to help and it was just beautiful and he was he was loving it he loves the attention he's he's very developed socially so it's funny because even though he's affected um he's got these skills of you know of his presence and he's just he's just the center of attention i don't know how he does it so so i just thought that this was really good for him so you know we um put him in a mainstream nursery here and it worked beautifully so then obviously you know we, we kind of wanted to maintain this and he's just been provided you know with from social services and health the EHCP has just been done straight away so for us um, I don't know uh, then what is the I, I guess we've just been lucky okay okay can for, for the benefit of the people listening would you mind giving us a, a breakdown of what Carl's diagnosis is is that okay right yeah of course so carl has uh, hie uh, from birth which basically means that he had a uh, lack of oxygen at birth which created this brain injury uh, and subsequently many you know many conditions but mainly cerebral palsy so you know it's a disease that it's a condition that affects uh, the muscles you know the brain signals to the muscles uh, so that can then affect, you know, multiple ways. Obviously, movement is the most obvious one, but also speech, eating, swallowing, hearing. Uh, it can be an in 
intellectual disability or not. I, I don't feel that he's very affected in that case. But cognitive, you know, it's like um, having a filter between you and the world. And sometimes it just takes a long time to process the information that's getting to your brain. And then to express yourself, it takes a, a great effort, you know. So everything that you will see a baby developed, you know, that comes naturally to normal children, typical children, uh, to children with cerebral palsy is an everyday effort, you know, every minute of every day. Yeah, there, there's parallels there between Emily and her spina bifida, you know, that, that wanting to do things, but her legs won't let her sort of thing. Is, is that the same with Toby? Very much so. I mean, Toby did learn to walk when he was 10, and that was just amazing. But... Um, he's very wobbly and uh, he'll never be able to run or jump and uh, you know walking is an effort for him but it's wonderful he can do it although he is still um, non-verbal apart from uh, certain words he was tube fed completely up until he was 20 he's now able to eat but it has to be a pureed diet and cognitively, he's around an 18-month to two-year-old, even though he's 25. So he loves things like um, hide-and-seek. He loves Mr. Tumble or anything that CBeebies does. Everyone loves Mr. Tumble. Everybody, <laughs> loves. Everybody loves Mr. Tumble. And he's also the best pickpocket I've ever met <gasps> because he'll have your mobile phone off you in case you can get onto YouTube in a jiffy. Is Carl at uh, an SEN school now? Yes, and we... It was a funny, it was a funny kind of uh, direction we took. So we, when we moved back, we just kind of assumed, you know, he's going to go to a special school. Uh, so there was also one of the decisions to move to the area with a very good special school. And we signed him up like two years in advance just to make sure. But then he was in this mainstream nursery and we just thought, wow. And then we heard there was a local school mainstream where they were quite good at including special needs so we thought you know what it would be nice to continue that like let's go and check this school out and the school was just amazing like everything you can dream of you know big spaces accessible big outside space very creative um and you know just just a happy place you know that is more about the feeling because i've been to schools that have this amazing reviews and then you get there and you don't get the feeling so you know as a parent you kind of go with with your gut as well and it just felt like a happy place so I thought you know what can we change our minds and then somehow it didn't happen because you know timings and delays and so we asked for it and it didn't happen and he still ended up at this special school he was initially signed for but actually, now that he's there, we're really happy with the results. So um, I can't really complain. It's, it's great for him because they have their own therapist. And I feel, you know, with complex children, you feel confident. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love what you said there about you just feel it. That's absolutely it. You walk into a school and you actually almost feel that it's got your child's name on or it hasn't. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, you know, you just know. Yes, you do. We had the same with Emily's uh, yeah. uh, mainstream secondary school. Yeah. So uh, Toby went to uh, a special school. And like you, in the early days, I knew very little about special schools. And mm. it was 
it was a very difficult decision, but I mean, it it wasn't a decision because no, he at that stage, when he was first born, his first six years, he was so ill, he was mostly in hospital, and we nearly lost him loads of times. So he was too fragile to go to main schools, mainstream schools, so he didn't have a choice. But actually, what I learned about special schools is that Toby grew up being one of the crowd. He wasn't special. Nobody um, made special allowances for him. He just had to get on with it. And if he did something wrong, he was in trouble too. And, you know, whereas sometimes in a mainstream school, I think um, if it's a good mainstream school with lovely kids, sometimes the child with the disabilities is looked after possibly a little bit Almost Too spoiled, much. aren't yes, they? Yeah, absolutely. They yes, absolutely. Yes, they 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 yeah. they tend to be quite demanding. Our yes. children, as they are used yeah. to the extra. Yeah, but yeah. but Toby was able to grow up feeling confident. He never felt different. He was. He had difficulties, but everybody in his class had difficulties, and they just had to get on with them. And I think that was a very very good. Um, foundation for him because he's he's just pragmatic and just copes well from reading your book uh, i get the overriding feeling that toby is such a strong individual character much like carl because I've, I've, I've met carl oh. and i've been blown away in his presence <laughs> i really have and 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 what you're saying is is absolutely right i mean when it comes to education either sen or mainstream that the factors you have to put in to, to make that ultimate decision on where your child goes is it your gut feeling is it is it um, your child's confidence being there? Is it the social aspect? There's there's all these things being thrown yeah. into the mix, and you as that parent have to make that informed decision for your child's educational yeah. future. But you're so right, Yvonne, about gut feelings. We had this with um, Emily's because Emily, like I said, attends mainstream school, but we had that very same gut feeling because the bizarre situation was that um, at Emily's uh, junior school. We were quite predominantly let down with her care. They 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 wouldn't take yeah. on board her hydrocephalus, or indeed the fact it gave her um, uh, she only could retain long term memory, not short term. So when we, we took her out of that school for a day to attend an SEN school, thinking we'll put her in SEN school, it will be will be wonderful. They'll really get to. That she said to us that she's she's going to suffer academically here because she is so far ahead of where she needs to be. So of course we had to bite our tongue for that last year of junior school before we could find a mainstream school because we we had that decision we had to put her in mainstream because we knew where our education was so far ahead we really wanted her to flourish but then you suddenly feel that you're being quite quite selfish from taking her away from an SEN school where she have people not of her own kind but of her own kin sort of thing but then you put her in a mainstream school, she's going to be more social because she's surrounded by all the children that she's going to hang out with outside of school. So it is, is so complicated mm. at the end of the day. And also it? what you're describing there is something... Every parent, the moment you give birth to a child, guilt rushes in. Oh, yes. And we all... Guilt goes with the territory. But when you have a child who's got additional needs, it's guilt plus, 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 plus. And you're describing it. Whatever you do, you always feel, oh, no, that 
I could have done it better. I should have done it better. I should have done it differently. I'm letting my child down. And you just lie awake all the time, questioning, questioning, questioning. But actually, what's lovely now that Toby's 25, I wish I'd been given a mirror to be able to look to the future. I spent so many years so frightened and worried about his future and how he would turn out. And I now know that there are happy endings and our children have this amazing capacity to find their own way and their own place in the world on their own terms. And I wish, well, to be honest, even if somebody had come and told me that when Toby was five, I probably wouldn't have believed them. But it it has sort of come full circle. And I'm sort of now beating myself up. Why did I waste so much time beating myself up exactly. all those times? It's like the eternal Morpheus strip yes. going round and round yeah, in the circles. Absolutely. The guilt goes round and round and round. But with yeah. education, because it's such a big decision, isn't it? Because it's yes. essentially going to guide their lives and their futures. It's such, such a... a a, a mix of factors to put into place but it's it's just one of those things that ultimately you have to make that decision on where your child's going to go i mean martina you said you looked around mainstream schools and then you uh carl is now in a special educational needs school i mean do you think that's going to benefit him with his condition more than mainstream in the long term ah uh, good question <laughs> I have no idea. It's, as you were saying, it's, it's a big compromise, right? Because so we considered everything from uh, there was an, yet another school because it's they're part of the same academy. So this one school, you know, we visited as well, where they tend to have very complex children. So on, on one hand, the, you know, the, the therapy, the attention, all those extra, the equipment, everything amazing. I mean, they almost have like one to one, you know, and uh, it's the everything you could ever dream of. But at the same time, I was worrying about the social aspect. So obviously, you know, these children wouldn't be as between, you know, just kind of communicating between them as much in a mainstream. So then the, the school where he ended up in is kind of mixed ability. So I think that really it kind of worked out quite well. And it's a, such a great point, yeah, that you were saying about him not being like the, you know, too pampered or the little baby of the class or the, the little prince, because that maybe is not doing them any favor either. Like, you know, you're not, you know, you, you can't expect special treatment for the rest of your life when you're growing up, you know. So that, that, that's actually, that kind of gave me a new point of view. Um so interesting, yeah. So he ended up there uh, because this school was supposed to be moving out of town, which was, you know, a big part of my decision of not sending him somewhere away on a bus, you know, an hour on a bus in his first year. I was like, no, this this is not happening. He gets so uncomfortable and it is still my worry today because he needs movement. Con you've seen him, you know, he's restless. He gets so uncomfortable. I'd say it was keen. Keen to do stuff, keen to learn stuff. Yeah. That's the feeling I've got with Carl. Yes. He's, he's, he's just, he's, I can imagine Tony's yeah. just the same, yeah. you know, so excited about life. And that's yes. something you really want to keep for your child, and yes. especially in the education do, field. You do. Yeah. It's yeah. a good, it's a, it's a great, you know, it's a great thing on one hand, and it's an exhausting thing yes. on the other. Because <laughs> like what we you, all said, yes, you, at the same time. You have to provide that for him. So you are his vessel in the world, you know, because he needs so much support and assistance. But, oh, 
in the end of the day, yes, I'm like super happy that he's so, you know, willing and switched on because for me, that's a great sign. And again, when you talk about Toby, you know, that's so amazing. Like he started walking at 10, like, I mean, you know, that's, it doesn't matter how, you know, uh, all I wish for him is some sort of independent movement because then in return, we'll give him such a boost for his, you know, confidence and for his, like, self-esteem that that's all I want. It doesn't matter how, you know, I abandoned this, like, oh, he's got to do this, he's got to do that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, he's got to be happy and exist in his own way. All I want is for him to reach his potential so we don't feel that, you know, he's left behind or maybe he's not supported enough, but that's, that's all you want, really. Can I say something about... Um, where if I had a very small child like Carl, I would be very excited about them being in a special school right now. And i tell you why. There are two. Technology is advancing so quickly. Mm. Now, Toby, he's now 25. We, he can't talk. And we were looking at augmentative um, communication, you know, where they, they use like iPads and things. Now, when he was 14 or 15... The very basic system would have cost around about £10,000. And because it was a risk as to whether he'd actually take to it or not, it couldn't be funded. Now, you can buy them on Amazon for 20 quid. Exactly the same thing. But the thing is, I've been to um, a couple of um, conferences and exhibitions and things where... The technology is happening. Yeah. The eye gaze yeah. can yes. actually, will eventually not just help you communicate, but it will also help a child who perhaps isn't very mobile to be able to open doors, to be able to turn the cooker mm. on, to be able to do practical things. Mm -hmm. Now, if he was at a mainstream school, he wouldn't get that no. input. No, That's absolutely. a really good point. Where that's a really good point. Something that I never thought of, because obviously where Emily's at mainstream school, I don't ever go to SEN schools and yeah. see this all this wonderful new tech come in. I mean, for instance, there's stuff like virtual reality now, yes. where children who would predominantly not have access to go to these places can now go to these places yes. virtually. And that must just be such literally a fascinating eye opener. Yeah. For, I mean, literally for anyone, even for me, like you said, technology is, is going faster than we can actually keep up with it. I yeah. can barely work my iPhone. <laughs> Emily has to work my iPhone. I so bet I Emily can do it, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I suspect Toby and Carl could take my iPhone a bit and put it back together for oh, me. Yes. I, mean, yeah, I mean, I struggle with doorknobs. That's how we're yeah. getting on and light switches. So, yeah, you're right about tech, but it's, it's such a frightening pace. Do you, do you think it will come a point where SEN schools, I mean, I mean, what I don't understand with SEN schools is, is all this equipment come from their budgets, do you think? Or no. Stuff, or well, the way it used to work with um, Toby, and obviously technology has massively increased since he's left school, but it was normally done on a child-by-child -child basis. Okay. So that uh, either a therapist or a parent or the school would apply for funding because xyz piece of equipment might help and then it's up to that whether they get it or not but um often in um special schools there will be reps coming around there will be um odd bits of really great equipment that kids can try out maybe just for a week or a day or something so there are opportunities that perhaps i'm not saying those opportunities are there all the time 
but they're definitely not going to be there in a mainstream school. Well, they're not, are they? Because proportionally-wise, disabled children at a mainstream school are going to be very, very small exactly. in ratio yes. compared to a SCN yeah. school. So no doubt Emily's not going to see any of this stuff except in a science yeah. class, in which case that, that's a shame she's going to miss out on yeah. in realistic terms. But for children at an SEN, SEN school, like Carl and like Toby, this is this is like manna from heaven. This, yeah. this, this equipment that's coming in now for them to use, which yeah. can assist their lives or even give them outlooks into the world, is just going to be absolutely incredible. I mean, have you seen Carl use any of this tech? No, school? but we've been discussing it with the speech therapist. So obviously, you know, the, the, the already the fact that uh, they have their own therapists at school and they are excellent therapists, that's like a godsend in itself. You know him, like knowing that he does a OT, he comes, you know, with his little book from school, like he's done a great OT session, like that makes me so happy. So, you know, th and the more we speak, the more actually I'm kind of getting, you know, even more excited and Good. more validated <laughs> by him being in special uh. school because he's provided with so much. And when we, you know, discuss this with speech that um, potentially, yes, we could. Yeah, I've been pushing for the gays because obviously, you know, him being affected physically, the kind of traditional route is like, ah, let's wait for him to, you know, start using his hands. But mm, to communicate you know to choose things but you know we might be sitting around and wait forever because exactly, not yeah. necessarily he will have the use the great use of his hands while he's got a great use of his brain because obviously i can see that he has stuff to express he understands everything that go going on you know he's got his own personality his own sense of humor like i can totally see that for me i look at him and he doesn't have special needs because he's just like my friend and my companion you know and we have a laugh together and you know so it's for me it's purely phys physical impediments so providing with something like that is a dream you know i can only like think about you know what he will come up with he will just like you know playing tricks and games and jokes at everyone because that's that's how he is he's just cheeky so, <laughs> so cheeky's good <laughs> yes yeah, yeah he's good. funny he's funny he's hilarious so the you know so so the the fact that we started discussing the the gays it's for me it's like super exciting like i yeah. can't believe it you know it but is... we know about gays now you say he's five yeah what's going to be around when he's 15 who knows exactly it could be all sorts of really exciting things and what i loved about the special schools that toby went to was there was a real can do attitude among the staff they would do everything to help make a child's life easier and more fun and there was a real sort of, and also I love what you when you were just talking. Then, um, you're just talking about Carl, not the disabled little boy. Completely beyond, look beyond the disability. And I think as parents, that's what we do. And I think that's one of the things that can hurt when other people find that so hard. Mm -hmm. But you'll never find anybody not being able to look beyond a disability in a special school because those uh, staff have actually chosen to work with our children. Mm -hmm. There's a dedication yeah, yes. and a, uh, almost a vocation among yeah. a lot of them yeah. that, and they just want to make things better. Absolutely. Uh, it's a, I don't know, when I used to walk into both the 
two schools Toby went to, a primary school and a secondary school, both for um, children with uh, severe disabilities. Um, the only thing I picked up on was hope. I think hope, hope's probably my favourite word. Hope's a good word. Yeah, but uh, there, was, there was always hope. And that was good enough for me. No, I, I, I totally agree. And, and I've seen from the when we took Emily around this this SEN school, just, just the beams of the smiles from just the teaching staff there, yeah. which was enough for me. But uh, also, I must say, on, in regard to mainstream school, uh, the, the effort and the diligence from the teachers there to, to teach a lot of non-verbal children that Emily goes on the school bus with is, is in my point of view, ju- just as as just as determined and just they're just so full of want to get it done and also at this this mainstream school because emily's got a senko there in an ot i'm just so amazed by the military way in which the children are given either that their, their catheters or their physio during the day because it's 20 percent physical and, and hidden disabilities yeah. against the rest of the school but the way the children as i've seen with emily will go in and have their physio and come out and the next job will come in and go out i mean emily's only gripe is with physio that unfortunately she can't miss maths she can't miss english she would just wish to change her physio around to, 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 for what's her the two dullest lessons so for anyone listening to this if you're going to send your child to a mainstream school and they absolutely hate maths well i'm, I'm sorry they're going to get a lot of mathematics because they will not miss it so that's probably the only one downside to mainstream school but i, I think in both cases there's a lot of predominant factors for both things i would say the only possible thing about mainstream school is like you said probably uh, the the lack of, of of new ideas that coming in along with tech but also there there's a lot of stuff possibly on funding as well do you think Yvonne? do you think mainstream schools uh, can get as much funding say as an sen school would get funding for stuff Technically, they should be able to. And, of course, a lot of it is down. And it's lovely hearing about Emily's secondary school. This is it. There are some fantastic mainstream schools. And what I'd love is for those schools to be used as beacons so that the expertise and whatever they're doing right can be... Uh, spread round a lot of the other things. Now, my own feeling is that what actually makes the difference is so simple. And I think it starts in somebody's heart. And if you've got a head teacher and a Senko who want to make it work, it will be fantastic. And I think often it comes down to the individuals in post. And if we can change hearts and minds, that doesn't cost anything. But if there's a want and a hope in somebody's heart, they can make magic happen, whether it's a mainstream or a special school. You're asking about funding. Possibly a a specialist school will have more expertise because they're probably having to ask for it more. But a, a mainstream school should still be able to access the same sort of funding because it's the funding should be attached to the need of the child, not the need of the school. Gotcha. Would that sort of thing be attached to her, their individual EHCP regarding what they would need and the school would look at that and say, what well, we need to get funding for this and this and this. 
if it was mainstream? Well, that would be the purpose of the, the initial I'm EHCP. Not an, I'm not an expert in how funding works. I mean, do I look like an accountant? Uh, no, no <laughs> thankfully, no. I think our podcast would have a more monosyllabic tone like that if we're talking but about accountancy. I don't know how the sort of how the actual sort of um, finer details gotcha. work, but in principle, it shouldn't really make any difference. But of course, in practice, a special school. Um, the teaching staff and the therapy staff are more likely possibly to know what's out there so that they can decide what to try and get funded, whereas a mainstream school might not have the knowledge of all the new technology and all the new things and what's actually available. Yeah, I, I see. I mean, I think you're absolutely right when you say staff are the key, a SEMCO yeah, and an OT yeah. and things like that. I, th- I think that's, that's where you need to start initially. I think if you go into these places... Do you think going into these places on a self-investigatory sort of process is really the way to start, be it mainstream or SEN school, rather than rely on hearsay from, say, a family member or a friend from our community? Would you say, both of you really, would you say it's down to you, what should be down to you, to actually go into this place and ask the questions yourself, oh, speak definitely. to the people yourself and have a look around, like yeah. I said, rather than rely on recommendations yeah, and things? Absolutely. But can I make another suggestion? If there's a school in the area that you know you really don't want your child to go to and you feel that perhaps the local authority might be pushing, might, there might come a point where that's where the local authority want you to go to, they're the first schools I'd always go and visit because then I can ask the right questions so that I can show exactly why those schools wouldn't be right for my children. So research them even harder than the ones you do want in a lot of ways, because the wrong school is probably worse than no school at all. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is going to be the title of your second second book, isn't it? Self-Investigation by Yvonne reckon? Newbold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, no, no, but the, the thing is, um, basically, it's always the parents that make it happen. Yeah. And we have to find the right... Um, team for our children and that means going into a school and seeing who who's actually on the right wavelength to make things happen for my child because you're back to gut feeling again yes. isn't it? i think everyone listened to this and in fact all of us in here always trust our gut feeling yeah, yeah. i mean and we're told not to oh yes absolutely you know, always come back if there's a little bell ringing in your head it's ringing for a reason I do like that. I do like that. That's that's the first one, is it? Gut instinct. Because I I, I remember on Emily's notes to hospital now, the doctors have actually written across the front of it, listen to mum. Because I expect you're the same, and I expect you're the same. You go in and say, my child is not well. They're fine. My child is not well. They're fine. Oh, well, have a look. Your child's not well. Mm -hmm. There we go. So, yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. I think predominantly for any parent, whether they're thinking of mainstream or SEN school, the, the main thing is purely to go on your gut instinct research the place go in yourself ask the questions whether it be mainstream or SEN get a feel of the place know and have a good look around because it is essentially how how you feel a place is because we all know that a, a good vibe and a good gut feeling we get it around our children whether it be education or or, or medicine or anything else so I think that's that's probably a, a good starting point for anyone I mean I'm not saying that's sacrosanct written in stone but from all of us I think the three of us could possibly agree that that is a good place to start investigation and gut feeling 
Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think along those lines, yes. Martina? Yes. I would say it's a bit. It's a, a half and half. You get like you get feedback from other parents because obviously you know they've been through that before you. So everywhere that's got quite a lot of people you know giving good feedback and it's not just about education about everything everything therapies treatments you know we're always researching everything like our brain just goes like all the time you know really quickly like in all directions because we you know that's the the original worry we were talking about because we just want to give them you know the best because they need more they need you know so we we need to provide them or maybe that's more our feeling to be honest with you because I also met, uh, you know, an adult uh, girl with CP recently. And I just, you know, I was looking at her and thinking, you know, worrying about her and like, is she physically okay? And, you know, maybe she needs a stretch and like she should do therapy. And, you know, that like there was my brain just going, you know, wanting wanting to help her, wanting to relieve her. And she just told me, I love my life. <laughs> you know, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that's us. So maybe... You know, as Yvonne said before, you know, maybe we, you know, just it's it's also good to remember to be in the moment. So, you know, I made a conscious decision to also uh, enjoy him, you know, just enjoy yes. him. He's exactly. small, he's growing exactly. and just like because you won't get nine, it again. Yeah. You won't. Mm. And then you like then you look back when I look back at the first year, you know, that's such a, you know, is your life is upside down. You're completely in shock. You know, you didn't expect that. And you just completely traumatized and you didn't even enjoy this little, you did, but you know, you sometimes forget to actually enjoy this little baby in your arms. So, you know, I'm very determined to do it now and I'm just gonna like carry him as long as I can everywhere and he's doing like everything with me. So little digression but about you know just it it goes everywhere not just in education you know your face just lights up when you talk about your little boy it's absolutely lovely you should see see. him he is oh he's such a handsome lad i I want to meet him (laughs) i can imagine that is school he's got loads of little fans i can imagine but as we're talking mainstream and sen one other thing i picked up in your book yvonne was the fact that um as probably people are probably not aware people listening in is the fact that homeschooling is also an option Yes, and I read a statistic just this morning. Homeschooling has increased by 27% in the last 12 months. 27%? Yeah, that's huge. Absolutely huge. And it's also um, becoming very, very common within uh, the special educational needs community simply because there are so many children who... Basically, there are no suitable school places for them. Um, In a sense, Carl and children who are like my Toby wouldn't come into that category. They're they're sometimes the luckier ones. These are children who have invisible disabilities, uh, where they have a something like a neurodevelopmental condition such as autism or ADHD or a learning disability or PDA where they just can't cope in the classroom and behaviour may be affected or mental health may be affected and parents are often left with no choice but to um, home home educate them. And it's re- the other thing that's happening, of course, is more and more schools are actually deliberately off-rolling um, 
children who aren't such an attractive prospect for their own league tables or their own behaviour um, issues. Um, so, and I think that's going to happen in any system where we are uh, basically at the mercy of standardised testing and inspections. And the, the thing is, school shouldn't just be about GCSEs. It should be about so many qualities and helping children to learn how to live among other people peacefully and nicely and have fun as well. That is absolutely right, which brings me back to my opening statement that school is regarded as compulsory, but it is not. It's education that is compulsory. And and with what you were saying, you've absolutely nailed that on the head because at the end of the day, if they can learn to the best of their abilities and if they are happy and they are confident and they are surrounded by love and friendship and things like that, then homeschooling is that other option absolutely. for parents if they should absolutely, absolutely need it. Yes. I, I think hearing you both speak today has just reaffirmed again my belief in the power of parents in this community. Oh, absolutely. I, I, yes. I mean it. Yeah, you're both such fantastic people and I'm so honoured that you've both come in oh, bless to you. speak to me today. <laughs> you're pretty good yourself though, Dan. Oh, please. <laughs> oh, please. Please. I'm going as red as my shirt here. But no, no, no. It's, it's, it's an absolutely fascinating conversation. It's one of those conversations I'm sure we could, we could turn into a box set of podcasts yeah. couldn't we like, like oh, the yes. four hours director's oh, yeah. cut we, yeah. we could talk till Thursday yeah. I think yes are uh, we yes, it's yeah. still Saturday isn't it yeah absolutely <laughs> but um, yeah would homeschooling be an option for Carl or do you think he will just flourish where he is I mean at the minute he seems to be having such an amazing time at an amazing school yes. with amazing children yes no not at the moment I mean we would both go crazy mm. <laughs> both me and him he hates being at home he wants to go out he will have a meltdown until I take him out it's no matter how tired or ill I am I need to take yeah. him out every day because he just gets bored and frustrated. He he craves stimulation, and it's something me on you know on my own I can't always provide. So definitely not at the moment. I have no idea how it's gonna be you know um, in the future. But you know yeah, considered his condition, uh, I think that the school is is the best at the moment for him. If I knew that you know he wasn't treated right or something wasn't okay, I would immediately you know do the sacrifice and keep him at home. But uh, it's not the case, so I think that we have the best situation right now. I think it's quite different as well for. Um, when you're a parent of a child who also has um, quite marked physical disabilities because there's a lot of physical effort that parents have to make and it's exhausting. And I think school is actually an incredibly important part for a child like Carl or like Toby I would never have considered home educating Toby unless as you say something catastrophic had happened simply because he needed a break from me I needed a break from him and also he needs a lot of input from more than just what I can give him he needs lots of people social stimulus sorry is that a social stimulus is that what you're saying yes that's it but from 
different staff members bring different skills and attributes and different energies and different different everythings. Yeah. And, you know, he needed that. Absolutely brilliant. So just to wrap it up, really quick, I want to put you both on the spot. You're going to love me for this. <laughs> but what would both of you put in place to make any decision-making process easier? What do you think is the one thing, the really the one thing that you'll put in place? You can give advice to parents on just making that decision on what you should do. I mean, I know it's really complex with physical and hidden disabilities and stuff like that. But what's what's quickly, what's one thing you both recommend to parents? I would suggest to parents that they completely trust their gut, but don't be afraid to think again. We all make mistakes. If school isn't working, pull them out as quickly as you can and find somewhere else because there's always another option and always have a plan B up your sleeve. Yes, agreed. And uh, go and see, as we said, go and see the places, you know, have a feeling. You have you have to have a feel. See what, you know, talk to the staff, see, see what they say. Uh, listen to them even the in between the lines what they say you know you we've got we've got a feeling for that and uh yeah yes exactly don't also don't be afraid to like change your mind and ask questions and you know and keep like asking like keep pushing and keep asking because you know you're advocating for your child so you want the best can i just add one more thing sorry also take your child to see the school see how your child react see how what their body language is like do they look happy are they smiley and most important how are the staff towards your child mm -hmm. because oh. if that doesn't work it's not going to work absolutely fantastic thank you both very 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 much i think you've both put me out of a job on my first time here on this podcast so next episode will be hosted by Yvonne and Martina and I'll should be bringing the tea in as I want but yes you made you great tea thank you oh thank and you coffee. and coffee and coffee yeah. I, may, I make a smashing cup of water but yeah uh, anyway sadly time is up but thank you both Yvonne and Martina for coming in today thank you so much thanks uh, for making it so easy and so much fun yes hey. thank you for having us thank you for listening to this episode of Podability brought to you by Variety the children's charity if you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. You can find us on iTunes by searching the Variety Podability, where you can rate, review and subscribe to the series. Thank you Sonic Boom 6 for the music track.